0: Having trouble meeting that special someone, ready to conquer the world of dating? Check out Mating Habits of the Modern Geek, advice on love and dating within your own species. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, as well as MatingHabitsOfTheModernGeek.com. Are you ready to be brave?
1: Guten Tag, mein airs und lines. This episode contains adult language, mature situations, overcompensating tobacco pipes, Quentin Tarantino's foot fetishes, poorly constructed dead body effects, terrible Italian accents, inappropriate David Bowie songs, and the amazing debut of Christoph Waltz. Listener discretion is advised.
0: Movie Review, Episode 80. Hey, so for those
1: of you joining us for the first time, uh, welcome to another episode of the Spark Movie Review, the podcast providing information and reviews about kinetically enhanced narratives. Yes, we're back for another fun-filled fun, fun episode, and it's actually our first episode recording in 2013. But more no. importantly than that, we have a guest, someone from a very prestigious podcast, which started how long ago? Um, seven months. Ah, so you're at the year mark, which is always good, and why don't you introduce yourself?
0: Hello, my name is Kelly Hightower, and I am the host of Mating Habits of the Modern Geek, Advice on Love and Dating Within Your Own Species, Uh, and I want to say thank you for having me. This is going to be fun.
1: That's no problem, and that's what this podcast is. We're here to have fun. We might inform you about some of the movies, if they're worth watching or not. You you don't have to agree with anything we say, but I've heard we're a little entertaining, just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And also, you can check out um, Mating Habits for the Modern Geek at their new website, which I think is just dot. Org or dot com or what? It's dot
0: com. It's um you can check out the website that has links to everything at matinghabitsofthemoderngeek.com. of the Modern If you want to follow the blog specifically, that's matinghabits of the modern geek dot wordpress.com, and you can always find us on Facebook and iTunes.
1: That's cool. And you can check out all of our earlier episodes at com. You can email us sparkin at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and we might be coming to a con near you. And yes, before I forget we do have the other podcast, the manga review, the game review, and we are going to be starting the book review, as long as I can get my next co-host to actually finish the fucking book.
0: Exciting.
1: Yes, we're trying to do Neverwhere, and sh- sh- she is taking forever to finish it. It's a great book. Oh, she, she couldn't even finish Good Omens.
0: What? Okay, well.
1: She- she's. But that's for another podcast. Maybe I'll have you on the book review for something. We'll see.
0: Nice. It sounds great.
1: We have a bunch of plans coming up, and now that I have more time, it's going to be a lot easier. Yes, before I forget, uh, so how has your 2013 been?
0: 2013's been actually pretty exciting for the three weeks that we've been in it. I started cycle three of the podcast, and that's been going pretty pretty smooth. You know, you do enough of these, and you start to get the hang of it. Yeah, you become um, a pro. Exactly. And then I also have started a speed dating event that hopefully will reoccur monthly down here in good old North Cackalacky in North Carolina. And I, my uh, eventual goal is to take it on the road. So I would love to come to a convention somewhere as glamorous as New York City and um, and do it there. But we had our first one earlier in the month, and mm-hmm. it was actually very fun. And it's it's nerd it's geek and nerd centric. It is very much a no one gets embarrassed. People show up and they it's it's practice on meeting people. It's 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 basically giving people a forum to learn how to go up to a perfect stranger and say hello for three minutes. We'll have a discussion and then maybe we'll talk later over coffee. So that's been going really well.
1: Yeah, that's good. Like um, when I tried speed dating, it was not that good. It was I mean it was a geek speed dating, Star Wars themed speed dating. Guy was dressed mm-hmm. up as a a Padawan. It was pretty cool. Right. And he was a little bit of comedian. Um, The thing he did is he did, like, three-minute intervals, so you didn't really have – I've heard that some people do five-minute. I think the five-minute would be better, but what is your time limit between, or do you just wait and say, okay? uh,
0: No, I I agree. We started out with a three-minute interval, and it just wasn't enough time. And the problem wasn't so much that people wanted to actually really talk longer than three minutes. It's because I rushed them. Um, I rush everything and so I because we had we had slightly fewer women than we did men, which I think, you know, was pretty much expected. And yeah. So I made the women move from from table to table, so the men got to got to stay seated because there were more of them, and I would, I would sort of rush the ladies along, and they didn't get to take their notes. And so after the event, they were like, "Yeah, could we get like a minute to actually write something down about the person we just spoke to?" And I was like, "Oh, sorry, <laughs> but yeah, five minutes might be the way to go, actually."
1: Yeah. Um. Another thing is at the end, do you have a mingle period, or do you just say, "Get the hell out, we're done." <laughs>
0: The place that I have it at is this uh, product blog is a store that I also work for. I'm the Minister of Propaganda at Atomic Empire. It is the, uh, in North Carolina the Triangle's largest gaming hobby and toy store. And it, they also sell draft beer and they have a snack counter and that sort of thing. And so before, when everyone's there sort of milling about and getting signed up, they do a mingle period. And then afterwards, they do a mingle period. And the way that I do it is I don't do the matchmaking part. Essentially, everybody meets everyone else. Everyone is assigned a name and a number. Um, they're not assigned a name. They come in with a name. But you get the you get the point. And, yeah. um, and so it's all done in private. And everyone goes in and basically gives their email and phone number on a little slip of paper, and they put it in the envelope of the people they want it to go to. And so by doing it that way, everyone leaves at the end of the night with a sealed envelope that has the names of people who want you to get into contact with them. And that way, every, so it's not the sort of thing where you get your little paper back and no one's put you there in front of everyone. You don't get a match. I'm, I hate that. And that's one of the things that they do at conventions at speed dating that I've seen. Yeah. Where they do sort of a, oh, you two liked each other. So you two get together and everybody else go kill yourself because you'll never be loved. And I, I hate that. I never want anyone to ever be embarrassed. Or to feel like you know they they struck out and to have other people see it. So that's and 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 the mingle period actually more people started exchanging names and numbers because they're kind of all in the in the boat together. I think the mingle period is important.
1: Yeah, no, and it's a good way to keep the because us as geeks and nerds we are a shy bunch just a little bit. So here's a question: Are you more of a geek
0: or a nerd? In your opinion. I'm definitely more a geek because the way that I define it is nerds are typically very good at things, and geeks are very passionate about things, and you can be both, and I am horrible at math. I can never call myself a nerd. I'm very passionate about things that I find enjoyable. And, but I'm not very studious and I'm not I'm not gonna say I'm not very smart that would be ridiculous I'm of course'm I'm, I'm brilliant but but yeah'm very I didn't study a whole lot I don't really follow rules and that i I sort of equate more to a to of nerd thing
1: I agree I am the same way I'm a geek I picture it like this someone who classifies themselves as a nerd are they are intellectuals they are they enjoy the more intellectual pursuits which I do enjoy mean I, you know, I enjoy mm-hmm. chess I love d and d but the fact is math is not my forte like just yes. like you. It's – they're more like – I hate to say it because I don't like this show, but the guys from Big Bang Theory, they're nerds. It's They're they're smart enough. Meanwhile, a geek is someone who has – it's a master – it's almost a jack-of-all-trades. Like, we are passionate about things. We have knowledge about – we have the passion into specific fields, but not, mm-hmm. like, good fields. Like, you know, I mean, the fact is I'm a manga giant. I mean, compared to Ed Chavez, I still have my bachelor's degree, but I I know enough about manga, movies, comics – technically I shouldn't exist because I like mangas and comics, but... Right. Does that make sense?
0: No, it totally does. And, And I always... I throw the category in there, too, of sort of, you know, people say that nerds don't know how to function in society and that geeks don't know how to function in society. And I think... If you want to put there, – there are nerds who, who function perfectly fine in society. They're, they're, you know, very sociable. They have all the social graces that you sort of need to go through smoothly and unnoticed and well-liked through life, and geeks can possess those things too. I create – or they didn't create it, but I like to throw in the third category of dork, which are the people who just, you know, you can be a nerd, a geek, and a dork, where, you know, you're passionate about things, you're really super smart about things that matter, and you also just don't know how to talk to people. It's sort of like a triple threat of no one sitting with you at lunch. And so I think you know I think geeks have it the easiest of the three because I think that that geeks because they're so familiar with so many different types of fandoms, they don't have to like them all, but they at least ever are exposed to them. Because you like one fandom, you'll find out about eighteen more. And they, or they they're passionate about a certain thing. They always kind of have someone to talk to or to hang out with or to interact with. And with everything, practice makes perfect.
1: That is very true, but then on the other hand, geeks are the ones who, when we start talking about a subject we enjoy, we go a little too far. Just oh a little, yes, just a little bit, and it's not creepy. I swear, I swear it's not creepy, but we just go on for hours on end. We do like to hear ourselves talk. Yes, like we're, <laughs> we're like we're gonna do today. Now, before I forget, for dorks, we're talking the Napoleon Dynamite style dork. Or are we talking about the uh, the Spaz dork? Like, I'm trying to think of a good analog.
0: I think the, the Napoleon Dynamite correlation, I think, is good. I think, you know, I, and, and I I love that movie. And he, I just, I feel so sorry for, like, little Napoleon Dynamite because he wants the interaction and he wants to try, but he can't really connect with anybody on anything because he isn't, all the things he's into are so weird and they're not necessarily fandom sort of things where he can go and find a group of people who also like those foam moon boots. Like, it's just, it's not happening for him.
1: Yeah, no, it's not. Ugh. Oh, man. We could be talking about this, keep this as a stinger for hours, but you, our listeners, must be kind of like, you're like, we're kind of interested, but we want to get to the point now. Yeah, get, so, get on with it! <laughs> <laughs> of course, my Python reference. So, if you remember from the last episode of the Spark and Movie Review, we rolled that one, that only. The Dodecahedron oh. of Movies. And I dictate take honest minutes be reviewing an interesting movie that's directed by this no-name Director, I don't think anyone's ever heard of. I mean, have you heard of him?
0: Um, I you know, I thought I had, and then I was wrong.
1: No, never heard of him. Yeah, no. No one's heard of this Quentin Tarantino guy. I mean...
0: Sounds Italian. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: Yes, it's like (laughs) (laughs) Gorlame. Yes, it's one of those names you don't know. No, it's Quentin Tarantino, the loved, hated director of the year. I mean, the only person who has a more polarized... Uh, director of the indie of this of his brethren i'm thinking is kevin smith does those but, two... and
0: oh yeah but and both of those no one has ever in my presence said they hated either of those for fear of getting a smackdown yes yeah,
1: it's, it's you know but they're because they're both great but they're both also hated by so many people because of the their niche um mm-hmm. genres and um he's just made some great films like what are some of the ones that you like that he's done Besides this one, of course.
0: Uh, well, so for me, he's never made anything that I didn't like. So I'll, I'll just start with my absolute favorite of all is Jackie Brown. Um, I think Jackie Brown was the pinnacle of his black exploitation, doing the, the sort of gritty crime tale. Uh, I, I thought that was great because it wasn't overly violent. It was really just all about the story and the dialogue and about Pam Grier. But I love Kill Bill, Volume 1 and 2. And I mean, Pulp Fiction almost doesn't even seem to fit into the his his genre because it just was so popular and so well received. But of course, that one is great. So yeah, it was. It's more like, in what order do I put them? Because I love all of them. I mean, yeah. I love Reservoir Dogs. I, I just I love all of them.
1: Yeah, Reservoir Dogs is my personal favorite because I love the fact that it's that's the ultimate trial by fire because it's literally like a play. It's just you only have one set, for mm-hmm. the majority of the film, and everything happens within that set. Then you may have a flashback to somewhere else, but it takes place in that garage. And also, I can no longer listen to Stuck in the Middle with You ever without starting to do that dance that Michael
0: Madsen does. Oh, how funny. Yeah, no, that was genius. And and I'm glad that he was able to get that out because that's the only reason or the only way that anyone ever gave him money again was because he, he pulled it together, put out Reservoir Dogs. And it was so amazing that this like kid from nowhere, from a movie store down the street, had created this amazing film. So yeah, no, it's, it's it's a good one.
1: And he gives us hope that maybe one day we will get to that point. Maybe one day. Maybe. Uh, we should all just get our mind together and make a really bad movie. Like my friend uh, Joseph Odi who is whose his finally his movies coming out. So check out www. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he he's fine. It's a, if you listen to some of the earlier episodes, he actually s- talked about this movie. He got the funding for, and it's being released in limited release the 13th of February.
0: Oh, very cool. So are you going to go to like any sort of like big independent movie release premieres or, or uh, anything like that? I
1: might go to it, but the problem is, I, it's, since I just started the job, I can't really be like, I'm going to leave to go to a premiere on a, on a Thursday. They'll tell me, like, no.
0: Yeah, like, no, I'll get to work.
1: <laughs> exactly, since I work in the print business, it's kind of like, yeah, you just finish those proofs. Then we'll talk about it. <laughs> but um, this movie is produced by Lawrence Bender. Most of you don't know who this guy is. But he's the guy who's paid for such movies as Reservoir Dogs, Goodwill Hunting, The Mexican, Knockaround Guys, Kill Bill One and Two, Lost in Oz, and the Sad Earth TV movie series. Mm. So I don't know if we should be proud of this guy for throwing his money to make these films, or we should take him out back and shoot him. Let's be proud of him. Bullets are expensive. True. Please just beat him on the head with something. And this movie is actually narrated by everyone's favorite Quentin Tarantino recurring character, Samuel L. Jackson.
0: Yes, yes. Of course he is. He, he has to be in everything.
1: Yes, and uh, this is.
0: And this, he was only in for
1: a cameo, and I think he did a good job for what he was in. Sure. So now, since this movie is an ensemble cast, we could go through the entire list, but I think we'll be here for like an hour. <laughs> So we'll cover the top actors of this list. First off, in a cameo, we have Mike Myers. Yes, and a lot of you did not recognize him. Did you recognize
0: him at first? <laughs> I did. I have a, um, I have a thing about voices, and so I recognized him, and then I immediately recognized his horrible, 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 horrible wig and/or hairstyle. I, who can Who can tell?
1: Yes, he was playing <laughs> Churchill, right?
0: No, he was playing the the attache to Churchill. Churchill was there in the room, but he's playing the. Officer dispatching the secret Operation Kino mission nodes.
1: Ah, yes, Operation Kino. You also had Julie Dreyfus is in the movie as the model, I believe, Francesca Modeno. Right. Yes, she was um, the f- not femme fatale. What would you say she was?
0: Hmm. I, I'm. No, I know there's a film. There's a film term for it.
1: Uh, we don't go by film terms. You could say put a descriptor <laughs> in for it. Yes, oh, I'll remember in Well, speaking of which, Diane Kruger was the double agent. Between the two the two countries, because this is a period piece that was done surprisingly well.
0: Yes, yes, she, she was the, um, she was Bridget von Hamsmark, yes.
1: Yes, uh, yes, who who hurt her leg skiing.
0: Or, no, climbing, mountain climbing. That's Remember? right, mountain climbing. That's mountain, mountain climbing.
1: climbing. And you also have, of course, helping her, you have Omar, played by Omar da- Doom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That was like, really, like, really? You're just Omar? You, they they don't even give you a name? It's just Omar?
0: Well, he's handsome enough. He can have one name.
1: Yes, and then, of course, you had uh, Till Scheiger playing Hugo Stiglitz. Yes. Yes, and he's from Germany, and I think he did a good job And I think this is his first American role?
0: Uh, yes, I believe you're correct.
1: Yes, and I believe he did a very good role. But, and we have a couple other people, including another director who's become big Eli Roth mm-hmm. as the, the bear Jew you have uh, who else? Uh, I don't want to get to the big three yet. Not okay. yet, but, um, Oh yes. Michael
0: Fossbender is in this. Yeah. Another, um, I think, I believe because Fosbender. a little fun fact is the iron strapping around a barrel is the, the person who puts that on is in known in Germany as a Fossbender. and his father, that's his father's last name. He is half German.
1: That I did not know. That means that's why he was able to speak German so well.
0: Well, as well as he did. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, he, well, Well, it wasn't his his vocabulary which made the mistake.
0: Yes. Well, no, and his his accent. There was the the fact that they couldn't place exactly where his German was from. But yeah. That's true. And now the the three main stars
1: of the film. You have Melanie Laurent. Hmm. She is a French actress who's done a lot of films i've never even heard of but this was her first american film then after that was the day i saw your heart requiem for a killer and an enemy which is coming out 2014
0: okay we can see her again
1: yay i think she really stole the role that she was in cuz you didn't expect a lot and she just went above and beyond
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah she was one of the more i don't know in not sunny spots in this movie, but she was one of the more compelling stories in this story of multiple stories.
0: <laughs> so many stories.
1: Yes. And next you have a regular actor who you could say is a pretty boy, or you could say he's a horrible jerk. What would you call him?
0: Neither, well, neither of those things. I'd call him a very handsome and um, I'd say very a great actor. Who's calling him a jerk? Some people think he's a jerk because
1: of his days on 90210.
0: Oh, well, Whatever.
1: Yes, well he's grown way past that. He's gone become from a kind of just I'm a pretty face to an actual actor.
0: Yeah, no, I think he's a, an amazing actor, yeah. He can he certainly was transformed in this role.
1: Yes, from the man who played Benjamin Button, Tyler Durden, and Rusty Ryans.
0: It's Mr. Brad Pitt.
1: Oh Brad Pitt. Uh um, Or should we
0: call him Mr. Angelina Jolie?
1: No, no, no. He no, he has gone past that. He now has his own place. Well, he's had his own place since I think... Seven?
0: Yes. Seven was when he actually became the actor, where it was like, holy... Can we curse on your... Can we, can we curse on this thing?
1: Yes, you can say whatever the fuck you want.
0: Great. Uh, when you you see him in Seven, and you're like, holy shit, this guy can fucking act. Yeah. I mean, he was
1: good in Cool... Well, not Cool World. I'm not going to bring up Cool World, because it's a terrible movie.
0: <laughs> Don't bring up Cool World ever.
1: Yes, but 12 Monkeys, Sleepers, I mean, Snatch... Where he speaks in... Uh, what the heck's that? Act- oh, Pikey.
0: When he, yeah, what he's in. In Pikey, yeah. Oh, God. Yes, no, Snatch is, Snatch is also a great film. But yeah, no, he's he's an amazing actor. Everything he's in... I, you, I forget how good-looking he is, and I'm actually just paying attention to his acting, except for in Fight Club. You can't you can't forget how good-looking Tyler is. Oh, yes. Is.
1: You know, he's, he's, he's an amazing actor, and I can't wait to see what he's doing next, which is World War Z.
0: Oh, it's good. The book was so good. This movie has the potential to be a good movie.
1: Uh, I'm going to not go either way just in case you know. Yeah. That's how I've become. I used to be like, yes, this movie's going to be awesome then I was let down. I mean, I'm still a proponent of some movies which were terrible, but I'm gonna, you know. You're gonna wait and reserve judgment? Exactly. I'm gonna wait. And now finally we have the final ca- the final main member of our cast. A guy who's he was born in a theater family, his mother was a costume designer, his father was a stage builder, and he's—he is an actor who, if Tarantino did not find him, I think he would have been wasted in Germany. Agreed. Yes, uh, and he's done some great movies since this film, including Green Hornet, Three Musketeers, Carnage, which, and um, another movie which is coming out soon called Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. And
0: his name is Christoph Waltz. And um, he actually won the Best Academy Award for Supporting Actor in this.
1: Yeah, he did. I want to see some of the films he directed, though. I mean.
0: Oh, I didn't even know he was a director.
1: Yeah, he's a director, a writer. I mean, a lot of stuff we've never seen, but he's done a lot. He's been all over the place.
0: Oh, he's great.
1: Oh, he is. He's one of the. He's a great character because he could be a villain and he could be a hero, and he's just. He's awesome.
0: Yeah, now, and he, and he also, from the female perspective, incredibly good looking. I can... No, I'm I'm straight and I can say
1: he is a very well-aged and distinguished gentleman. Mm -hmm. He's like Mm -hmm. Connery. He's just... As he gets older, he's going to look the same.
0: Yeah.
1: That's not makeup. That's just how he is, you know?
0: (laughs) It's all like clean German living.
1: Uh, I thought it was all booze and other things, but... So... (laughs) Either way, in this film, before we forget the last bits about this film, all the little technical details, it came out two thousand nine in May, I believe, middle of May. And yes. it was made for seventy million dollars and made three hundred and twenty one million. So what is the movie we're reviewing
0: today? It is, in fact, Inglorious Bastards. Awesome.
1: Yes. So Inglorious Bastards, a movie which, when you look at it, Your brain's like, wait a minute, something's wrong with that title. It's in the back of your head. You're like, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Besides the fact it's bastards, but it's spelt wrong. You don't even notice it at first. You're like, wait a minute, that's an A or an E?
0: No, I proofread for a living. It's part of my day job. I knew immediately that E does not belong there. But it's so good, though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It adds to this, this movie is insanity. And it's a film which just... It's a period piece that is not a period piece. It's, uh, what would you say, alternate history?
0: It's almost like steampunk to me. It's a reimagined history. It, it is a, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? Yeah. <laughs> if he could use that as a phrasing. Yeah, wouldn't it be cool if this thing happened? Yeah, a lot of people say that this movie is
1: like Revenge of the Jews. Right, right. This is what they would want to have happened. And I think that that's very true, and it's part of you wishes this actually had happened. <laughs>
0: No, absolutely, and and as far as it being a period piece, there are lots of historical inaccuracies about like locations and dates and things. Some of the years are wrong, but as someone who I'm a a military uniform aficionado, and as much as you know, you hate all the we we all hate all the horrible things that happened with World War II, you know, and the the you know needless slaughter of of entire people for no reason, and 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 the horrible corruption. The military uniforms during the World War II for both the German and the British side were amazing. And so all of those were great. The fashion is pretty much spot on, which when you're looking for a period piece, it, you know, especially for someone like me who cares about that kind of thing, it was, it was pretty good. But no, th- the things that happened in this movie did not actually happen.
1: Yes, but it, it's, it was done really well. There's some movies where you have a lot of inconsistencies, you have errors like major continuity errors mm-hmm. with the shooting like you see a guy one minute he'll be walking normally then you see in the background oh there's someone with sneakers on there was a lot of attention to detail with right. the continuity and the costume and the set designs were brilliant in this film yeah I think.
0: yeah yeah they were every, everything was great i there i think um i was looking online before we started recording for any sort of of, of those sort of inconsistencies cuz i didn't see any and one of the at least clothing inconsistencies was there was a certain sort of zipper that was in one of the dresses that didn't exist until ten years later. And I'm like, who's that nerd? Like, that's ridiculous. No one
1: notices that. Watch the film. It's great. Yeah, no. And Since we still have four more years until our statute of limitations, we're not going to spoil the entire movie yet. We'll do that as Stinger. But <laughs> what would you... Let's synopsize the movie. now? What would How could you break down this movie? How would you break it down? I would break it down as an anthology of sorts.
0: Yeah, I would say there are, as with all Quentin Tarantino films, there are, let's see, one, two, three separate stories happening at one time, and they all somehow connect with each other.
1: Yeah, our first story is, well, I'm going to go with the last story because it's a more interesting one, which is, it's about a young woman in France named Emmanuelle Menu, who owns a cinema in Paris, and she has been given the great honor because... Uh, a hero of the great German army Wants to premiere his film At her cinema So everyone's going to be at this premiere Including Zephiora And Emmanuel has a little secret Which is going to lead To lots of problems Or maybe not
0: The next story arc is The introduction to A group of What essentially they refer to themselves as, as American Secret Service Although that's a misnomer because the American Secret Service only protects the president since the 1800s, but anyway, they're a, a American group led by Amen. Aldo Raine, and he has a plan to uh, go in and infiltrate um, occupied France. And he decides that the best way, or the most, I guess, delicious and satisfying way to do that would be to get a small group of American-born Jews to go in and get a little bit of a little bit of revenge on the the, uh, the German army.
1: I love his speech which is done in the trailer. I just love how he's like they will be sickened by us they will fear us
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah the, 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 the German will will, will will know us the German will fear us. yeah that was a great speech and I love that I love the he seems and I don't know if we want to get too much into it but he seems like in that especially in that speech like such a terrifying and yet fatherly figure at the same time. Yeah, no. Because he, yeah, he he tells them about the that you know he wants them in his in his in his group, and that he's you know he's excited for them to be there, and they're going to have a lot of fun, and they're going to go out and 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 kill Nazis, and but that they all owe him a debt, and I just oh I just love it. Yeah, if they owe you owe me one hundred scalps,
1: and I'll be getting my one hundred scalps. Yeah, yeah. And I want to go so much further into Aldo, but we'll go into that in a bit, because we do have okay. that third, that final story, which is almost... This is the stitching that holds this book together, that this story together. And this is... He's not a soldier common. What is his rank? He's a Strubanforer. Yeah, he's a Strubanforer uh, Colonel Hans Landa, a.k.a. Ugh.
0: The Jew uh, the, the Hunter. And with the only way that Tarantino knows how to write a "quote unquote bad guy. He shows up in the film and immediately you want to be on his side because he's just so damn cool and just so smooth and has it together and um, it's real I mean is the villain of the film and immediately I mean I, I was just like who's this? I want to be on his team. He's this guy is this guy's pretty awesome and so he he very calmly and and coolly goes in and wreaks havoc and does his job and earns his name
1: yes and he i like that he is not a typical villain he is not the typical i'm in a black suit <laughs> <laughs> curl my snidely w- mustache well no, doing horrible very, things
0: he's very he's very charismatic and always incredibly polite and but i mean just so sinister you know with the politeness like it, i mean it, no matter who he's speaking with even if it's german people or the french people in the countryside you can tell through all of his politeness and sweetness and his compliments that this guy is a stone cold motherfucking killer. And you better be on your your, your toes around him.
1: Yeah, and he, and he is not in it for the National Party. He's not in it for Germany. He is a detective first and foremost, and that is his thing. Like, he, he doesn't like the fact that he has to do his job, but he does it anyway. The only problem is he's too good at his job. Right. And I mean, that first scene, when you see him there, like, it's the beginning of when you see that he is that detective and he doesn't smoke, but he pulls out a huge oversized pipe kind of to be like, I know you're messing with me, but, you know, I, I get what you're doing, but I'm smarter. Yeah.
0: yeah, my pipe's bigger than yours. And, um, you know, don't forget that you're just a simple country farmer and I know everything that's going on.
1: Yeah, no, he's, he's very, a very great and charismatic character. And there are times when he's he does things and you don't know if he's doing it because he's just gullible or if he actually knows what's going on
0: especially in the very first the opening scene there's a i've never seen anyone drink a glass of milk so in in such an intimidating way he he knows when people are lying to him and he knows that if he just keeps talking to them long enough and gives them the opportunity it's an old lawyer trick by the way if he gives them an opportunity to continue to talk, that eventually they will give him the information that he wants.
1: He is able to manipulate his way just right. He gives them just enough rope for them to hang themselves, mm-hmm. or he does it where he looks the other way when he knows they're lying. Which are-
0: right, right? Because I think you and I beforehand we, we had discussed this about the yes the uh, the Strudel scene, and I actually I looked it up, and in an interview, Tarantino says it's ambiguous. Everyone can interpret it their own way.
1: Yeah, because I think, um, well, we'll get to this tradition scene in a moment.
0: Okay, yeah, all right. I'm, I'm so excited. I know. We're jumping it's, ahead.
1: It's, yeah, It's. we're jumping ahead, we're jumping back. Because the thing is, we're going to do this episode Tarantino style, because we're going to be all over the place. It's right. the only way that you can do a Tarantino movie justice. And we're going to do a spoiler bump in a little bit, because you have to talk about that ending sequence just because it's so important because it's the culmination of all the stories bumping into each other in such a beautiful and horrific way but one of the things I do think we should talk about is how a lot of people complain this movie is weird because it's 70% subtitles
0: Uh, who's complaining about having to read reading Uh, is fundamental
1: most standard Americans
0: yeah, you know, well, Americans make me angry because there are hundreds of other languages out there, some of them very rich and beautiful, and some of them actually our language came from. So we should respect them and just sit and listen. It's an it's a two-hour-long movie. Relax.
1: It's a dialogue-heavy movie, which is somewhat good, but also a little bit at times you're like, okay, I, I get you guys are talking and it's building up the whole thing, but I want it to get a little further. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs>
0: Well, well, I think I I actually thought about that when I was rewatching it for in preparation for this. And one of Tarantino's biggest claims to fame is his amazing dialogue. And if you look at a movie like Pulp Fiction, um, the it, everyone is just it's so quick. There's a lot of talking happening in Pulp Fiction, a lot, and that's what I mean. That's what everyone quotes. That's the, the thing that you know made John Travolta cool again. For a little while, like, it's it's his, t- his dialogue, very much in the same way that Joss Whedon's dialogue is, you know, people say, oh, well, if it wasn't for the dialogue, you wouldn't care. Well, like, well, yeah, because the dialogue is good. And I, I found it interesting that it's almost with this movie, he tempts you to, to like the film in spite of the fact that now you're having to work to get the that all that dialogue. Because it, before it was easy, you just had to sit back and watch how cool Samuel L. Jackson was and just res- just let the dialogue wash over you. And now you actually have to pay attention and look at the screen and look at the words and look at the screen and look at the words. And for me personally, because I, I watch a lot of anime and, and subtitles have never bothered me, and I love, I love listening to other languages, I thought it was fine. I, I find that people who complain about subtitles, sometimes it's just they don't have enough practice reading them.
1: Oh, I agree completely. I'm a, I'm a, I generally prefer the sub over the dub with most films. In this film, I was able to follow through with it, and there were some great s- scenes just where you hear them going back and forth, back and forth in the other language, and then it'd just be almost jarring for it to go back to English, which yes. was the point, but still it was also interesting just to see how it was, everyone else seems so sophisticated and nice, even though they're doing horrific things and then you have the bastards and their war on terror.
0: Yeah, and I was a little bit touchy because I'm a southerner I don't know if my accent doesn't tell you, and I'm—I've lived in, in North Carolina my entire life, but I'm—I'm I'm highly educated. I am a a huge liberal. I—I I do things that you know. I have all of my teeth. I have never once procreated with any family member, and so it's one of those things where every time there's a, there's someone playing a quote unquote Southerner in a movie, I always am, am a little bit concerned or worried. Because typically they always portray us as toothless hillbillies. And the accent, um, that in the, in the trailer that Brad Pitt is using, I'm like, oh shit, here we go. Like, he's gonna be ridiculous. And I, the accent was necessary because I think it's, it is funny, you know, the, the fact that he's saying Nazi and, and later on, I guess after we hit the spoiler bump, you know, it, it, the fact that his accent is so thick and so ridiculous sorry to people from uh tennessee um (laughs) his accent is so ridiculous and so over the top it lends it adds to his character because he's not stupid it's not like he's you know a bumbling idiot or or out there like you know he, he brought his pigs with him to to fight the war and um for me the the switching back and forth i found i found it it was very jarring to hear... I mean, French is spoken throughout the movie and French is such a beautiful language. And I find German to be one of the most beautiful languages, because like I said, I'm kind of obsessed with Germany. And so for the the languages to, to just be all over the place, and then they'd slip back into the very smooth, very um, crisp uh, Christoph Waltz sounding English, where it's that there's a little bit of play in, in 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 his way that he speaks, and and so you know oh like this is nice, and then you switch back to Brad Pitt talking about Nazi scalps, you know you're like ah this is it is it's a little bit of a shock.
1: Yes, yeah, so talking about what was it he said? He said uh, uh, that sounds suspicious. <laughs> uh, it's it's I mean I, the character itself aldo rain is so brilliant because it's not that he's just an idiot i mean they have a whole backstory the fact that he was the son of bootleggers and that he's Mm -hmm. got prop you know you see the the lynch mark around his neck yes and he's just so all the characters are so developed you want to know more about him like i'd love to see just a movie with just aldo rain because even though it's called inglorious bastards the bastards are in it for only a fifth of the movie
0: yeah yeah and and i think i think that was a wise choice honestly because i think although i agree with you i want to know all of i want to know about all of the different guys in his little squad some military person's like it's not called a squad it's a whatever his little group i do i want to know everything i can find out about him because they you're they were incredibly interesting but i think if he put too much of them in the movie it might have set it off where you don't care about the rest of the other two stories which would have been, which would I think would have been sad because they're they're good as well. But you be it's hard to compete with with Brad Pitt with a weird you know World War Two haircut, you know the back of his head shaved and a and a, a lynching scar around his neck. I mean that's kind of a it's a lot to deal
1: with. True, but then you have Christoph Waltz in as this dynamic and intriguing character who you're like, okay, he's a bad guy, he's doing horrible things, but I like him. Yes, I want to be his friend. I want to buy him a coke. <laughs> Or milk. You would only—it's
0: always dairy products with that guy.
1: Yeah. Yes. True. And also, the other thing, interestingly enough, he wasn't originally supposed to be Hans.
0: What was he supposed to be?
1: He wasn't even originally was going to be played by Leonardo DiCaprio.
0: Oh, I'm so glad they saved that for Django Unchained.
1: Very true, because uh, he's—I think that was his second movie as a villain. He's a very compelling villain, but he would have done this role a disservice. Also, another character who would have been played by someone else was Donnie Donny which was originally going to be played by Adam Sandler.
0: Oh, I'm so glad these things didn't happen.
1: Yeah, it would have been terrible to to hear. I mean, I'll, Adam Sandler—he's okay as a serious role, but I could not see him as Donny which the six-foot-tall Nazi yeah. clubbing bear Jew
0: yeah no adam sandler's too old first of all <laughs> no offense to people who are adam sandler's age i think i'm adam sandler's age um he's too old and he's not big enough uh uh the the guy who played donnie donowitz was huge by comparison to the other actors i think i'm still two inches taller than him but uh, whatever and yeah no he he was fresh-faced and he looked he looked like he might have been just barely into his 20s but just had the the, the fortune of, of being uh, blessed with, with good arms and a, and a decent swing.
1: He's another character you'd want to see a movie about. And yeah. supposedly there's rumors he might be going back to this. Ooh. He might be going back to the Bastards, which I'm hoping. I really am. Now, you have also another thing with this film, which is really interesting, is besides the ambiance, besides the talking, you have a lot of little cultural elements going on. Like you have the fact that you have the game that they're playing... In the, the bar when everything goes to hell.
0: Oh, right, the, tavern, the Lorraine Tavern, yeah.
1: Yes. You have that, you have the fact that it's the specific way that everyone deals with each other when they're in the movie theater or earlier on. You see the fanaticism of the characters of the Nazis, how most of them would be willing to die for their Führer. Yes. Even though they know they're going to be bludgeoned to death.
0: right. What was name well, that's this? just that. That's just a good soldier. That's just that. That's that's part of milit- being being uh, in the military.
1: Mm, true, but that guy, uh, Richard Small, deserved it.
0: Oh, the one who wouldn't who wouldn't point out.
1: Yes, the one who was like, point your your eating fingers.
0: Right, right. And he's like, he's like, you don't expect me to t- to tell you where my uh, to give away that information. And he's like, that's exactly what I expect you to do.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you said no. This is all the ear we ever get. So. Anyway, if you want, skip ahead to the next hand. Mets are putting spoilers right here. Best way to do this. That way we have enough time for to get the spoilers and whatnot out of the way. All right? Yes. So, all right. So what do you think about the, the final culmination where everything went to the, the movie theater and that whole sequence?
0: Uh, first of all, I loved it because the comedic element of the bastards of Brad Pitt and um, the other two... Now, because of the the mishap in the tavern, or having to escort Fräulein von Hammersmark, and how that's just all like you just walk in, and it's like this is not going to work. Like this clearly is just the worst plan that has ever been planned. And then I just I love the whole sequence of events of you know looking at all the people, seeing those four there, and then like you know cameras sweeping up, and then you see you see Hans Lander, and he he's there, and and then in the meantime, Shoshana's in the back, you know, getting ready to just kill everybody, and. Ugh! It, I thought it was great I loved how I, it was very Tarantino-esque so much happened in the last 20 minutes of the film that it was just it was it was riveting and very stylized I, f- I found the style of it what are the two names I know th- I know they're Italian fake names of the two the two oh. bastards that go with them
1: yeah it's Donnie and it's Donnie and uh and, and Omar go but what is their names
0: uh i need to write this down it's uh it, well the last names are DiCocco and um Margheriti Yes. And uh, yeah, I just, oh, so, uh, and just the way that Christoph Waltz toys with them, with the whole pronunciation. Oh, it was just, it was so delicious and good. Yeah. I just, I loved it.
1: And that was him actually setting up, and then he brings her to the room and strangles her to death with the shoe after finding the shoe.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'll just, yeah, alert, alert. Uh, there's, I, I was waiting for it, the feet in the film. Uh, Quentin Tarantino has his, his foot fetish. And so, there we go. So we get to see someone handling women's bare feet.
1: Also, the um, awkward shot. I love that that was the last scene in the movie. The awkward uh, in the trunk shot was the end of the movie. I like that.
0: Oh, right, right.
1: Yes, because it was, this might just be my masterpiece.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was great. I, I love the scene where the two of them, uh, the two the two guys go, Omar, and, and um, they, they go and, and do the, the glove guns, which yep. was genius. Yeah. And the whole, just that very funny, when, Quint, when Tarantino does violence, is either so over the top that you're like, oh, crap, I can't believe this is happening, or it's just so graceful and funny. And the whole, you know, he leans over and he's like, Champagne? And then just they just mur- they just completely kill the shit out of those two cards.
1: Yeah, and then they go in and they just gat Hitler right there and uh, everybody. And then, I mean, I didn't expect the thing with the, the leg bombs. I didn't expect that they were going to sacrifice themselves, but it happened. Because it was like a bomb, but then they were burning the place down, so it was just comp- compounding the whole situation.
0: Everybody hated the Third Reich. I mean, it just, that's, that's... And they were, the, everyone in that building, whether you... You know, because, I mean, Germany was an entire country of people, and the army and the establishment was evil, but every single person that lived there wasn't evil, and people just have to survive the best way they can. Every single person in this theater deserves to die. So it's it was one of those where it was like, oh, okay, just kill everybody. This is great. And then it, and then the way they just I mean firing the guns into that crowd. I mean, you know, not to be insensitive for for things that, you know, have happened recently, but it, it was it was very much like, oh yeah, you can't run Hitler, you can't go anywhere. There you go. You get uh, getting the shit shot out of you. Even
1: uh Zoller, who I didn't want to bring up, he just he was at the end, he was not a sympathetic character because at first you're like, oh, maybe he's just a kid who just, you know, gets carried along. No, he was just as bad as all of them.
0: Well, and as a woman, I realized he wasn't a good character after she said no to him the third time. She said no to him the third time. She leaves the cafe because he's like, "Hey, but I'm famous. Hey, but you know." And then, and then he basically he throws down the, "Hey, I'm a soldier, and we occupy occupy you. So let's go out on a date." And I was like, "Okay, he needs to die." Because you gotta you gotta learn when to when to accept a no. And so for then, you know, he's the whole reason that they went to that theater because he wanted to get in good with her. And he's the whole reason that. You know, all these people came because the movie was about him, and so and he was the one up there in the nest that sh- that shot the three hundred and twenty three other soldiers. And so for him, when when he shows up and he, and she opens the door and it's him, it's like, oh God, please just kill him. He's the worst. He was. I found him to be the least sympathetic of all the characters. It with, was maybe with, that, with the exception of. Herbils and Hitler
1: and then he gets his last laugh which I thought was just like I would have preferred someone else to get their last laugh on her instead of him honestly
0: well I found that to be so here so here's my, my meta thinking so one of the huge atrocities in World War 2 was the gassing and burning of, of Jewish people in the Holocaust mm-hmm. and so here we have you know if it's supposed to be the ultimate Jewish revenge story I don't think you can have the fire killing her I think you have to have her die some other way because if she perishes in the same "quote unquote" oven that she has now put these evil, evil people in after they've you know done all the horrible things and her family's been murdered and all that. If you let the fire get her, I think I think it's almost better to have her go out beforehand. And that's just me being meta. I tend to, I tend to try to find symbolism and make things meta in in, in most movies, especially like I, I found it interesting that he when he comes up to the projection room. She shoots him, and it's like he dies in a in a, a nest overlooking all the other people. Like, and you know that was his big claim to fame. And they all she shot him when he's up in another quote unquote nest of where the projection room is.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, a, a symbolic image which I didn't even think of.
0: I mean, it's no some, uh, symbolism is a big thing for me, even though I hated it in um in high school. Uh, it's one of those things where, especially Tarantino cares so much. About things like that, and he cares about his characters, even the bad characters. Where he wants he wants their deaths to to be done in a way that it sort of grants them justice. Unless unless the point is that they don't get any justice in their death, you know, like unless that's part point of the point of the story. And so I just I couldn't I couldn't imagine them letting her also go up in the same inferno.
1: Yeah, no, like but it was um, a shock. I was going to another death, which I think was a little bit.
0: But it was a shock. I wasn't expecting it.
1: No, I was I wasn't expecting that that either. It was just out of nowhere like he had a gun still. I thought he was dead, but it was. I like the movie, and I like that the end. It's literally there was an opportunity to save everything, and Lando was just like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna join the winning side. Yeah, and he he was opportunist, and he thinks I'm gonna get away with everything I did. Was- well, I
0: don't know. I think he, I, we don't we don't necessarily know what happened to him.
1: We we know what happened to him. He's not able to take off his SS uniform no more.
0: Well, he's still alive. He gets his little house in the, in Nantucket. He just doesn't get to live in anonymity. I mean, I you know, I'd rather I'd rather have a big swastika on my forehead than die.
1: Um, no, I I agree there, but I mean, you wear, I'd I mean, wear that's where
0: bandanas are made. Yeah, I mean, like you know, he could be like Bruce Springsteen and, and just wear a bandana all the time, or get a wig, <laughs> exactly, or plastic surgery, or whatever. Just you know, just to know that Aldo Raines has got the last laugh on him. I mean, that that to me that was very satisfying
1: oh, oh that was that made it because it because you saw it look like he was just like really this guy who killed jews wins really
0: and yeah like, yeah
1: <laughs> he just kills the he kills the radio
0: operator and he's like yeah well we said you'd come not him oh that was great that was one of the one of the greater lines where he was like he was like oh they, I, your government promised me you know that man's life you'll you'll answer for this or you'll be killed for this and and Reigns goes, nah, more like chewed out. I've been chewed out before. And I was like, that's great. I like, just love that. Like, I'm going to be in trouble, but it'll be all right.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he's, like, I really want to see a spinoff with Aldo Reigns just because he's so charismatic. And so, speaking of Kristoff, let's mm-hmm. go to the other major scenes with him, which were the opening sequence and the strudel scene. Yes. Like, those scenes were both so uncomfortable, and not in a bad way, but just, like, is the sinisterness of it? Um. No,
0: absolutely. I, I I found the the juxtaposition of the when he goes into the farmhouse and you, and you, and it, you know and that's how this opens. You've got these rural people they're doing laundry and chopping wood and and part of part of the Nazi propaganda machine was that you were supposed to they were supposed to go into places looking better than everyone else and looking sinister and scary and covered in like you know the 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 officers like him were gray and so like the gray leather and the hats with the with the skull and crossbones on it i mean that could you imagine if we put something like that on one of our military uniforms like there'd be a huge uproar about it and so you've got the, you know, the French family and, he, and he, he shows up there and already they're terrified um, because they know what they're doing and, and to have him just sort of stroll in and just be so sicklingly sweet and polite and oh no there's nothing to worry about it's just a formality you understand I'm going to come in your house and I'm going to drink your milk and I'm going to look at your daughters and talk about them and then we're going to sit down and I'm going to tell you to make yourself comfortable in your own home and the, just the, the juxtaposition of his little writing utensils and his, his the way that everything's just organized. And that poor farmer is it just, just sitting there like, uh, this is not going to go well. I'm completely outmanned and outnumbered, and I'm just fucked. Like, there's just nothing I can do. And so that scene goes on for so long of just, oh, my God, just get, it was like what you said, just get to it. Like, stop talking to him and just either kill him or go home. Like, get out of there.
1: Yeah, and he just, it, it, every minute you think there's going to be a reprieve, he just keeps going. And then it's it's then I love the turn when he's suddenly like you're hiding enemies of the state, you'll indicate where they are, or I'm gonna kill you. But here's yeah. the deal. You tell us, you and your family get to go free, you get rewarded. No questions asked, we won't bother you ever again. And then just to see um, Dennis menochet just point in the tears in his eyes as he do- as he indicates.
0: Well and at that point because that death is different than when than when um Hans strangles von Hammersmark. In that one, he gives them a look, and it and it suddenly becomes this is all business. It's not personal. I have a job to do. If you help me do my job, you can go away. I don't care about you. I care about get, you know crossing these names off of a list. And at that point, there is still some sympathy because at that point, he's just he's he's like I am. I am offering this to you. Because for for all we know, he does. He lets, you know, that family go and proceeds to, to slaughter all but Shoshana of, of the hidden family. And also that scene where he says, uh, Au revoir, Shoshana! Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, it's almost like, I mean, that, you know, it's like it's a game. It's not, he does his job and he does it well, but it's almost as if he doesn't care about whether people are Jewish or not. He's told to kill Jews is what he's going go to go do.
1: And then the second part was the turn with the, uh, was the strudel scene, which is, I think, like, we were debating about this on mm-hmm. in facebook about is does he know doesn't he know because the whole thing was he's just interviewing her to make sure that she's a court, apparently he's supposed to interview her to make sure that's safe for her for the fielder to come yes the entire it seems like he knows sh- who she is exactly like he's followed her from the beginning to know exactly who it is where she went and this and that
0: my and my only um because, like I said, that's I, when I looked it up. Like the forums were alight with, with people questioning whether or not he knew that it was her. Because you're feeling her just of absolute terror. And I think at the, at the end of the scene, it's great because when he walks away and she and she feels that no one can see her and she just starts to weep like just, oh, because just, she knows exactly who he is. I mean, for sure, we know that. But I think because of his professionalism, he wouldn't be able to. to there's two ways about it, because I've been thinking about what you said. If he's as professional as, as he portrays himself in the beginning, I can't imagine that he could let this one go. It's the, it's the last achievement on his PlayStation 3 achievement list. This is the one that got away. And so my initial impression was there's no way that he's going to not kill her. And check that name off the list. I mean, the list seemed extremely important to him. But in reflection, because at the end when he wants to turn over and join and basically be a turncoat because he's tired of what he's doing, he might understand that this might give him the opportunity to do that. Because if she's Shoshana and she's the one who's, who has the theater, she has an agenda and it might give him an opportunity. So, the fact that Tarantino says it's it's ambiguous, we can look at it anyway, but I don't, I mean, he certainly, he does the same smooth talking that he does throughout the entire movie, and he orders the milk for her, which I found interesting, because he killed her family at the dairy farm, and milk is a big thing with him, I mean, even with the cream for the strudel. Yep. But then, he's douchey to her, in that sort of, you should be completely happy that we're occupying your country. Isn't this the greatest thing that's ever happened to you? The Fuhrer wants to come to your theater. You should be honored, even though... You're being occupied. But he does that to everyone. And so, you know, the fact that she recognizes him and is completely terrified during it, it's, it to me, it could be either way
1: the reason why i think is, is cuz she was the daughter of a dairy farmer she would know the quality cuz he says this milk is not as good as some i've tried earlier in another country mm-hmm. he brings it up and he's he's mentioned it and he's constantly like what am i trying to forget what am i cuz he's he does that lead up the entire time where he's like i'm forgetting oh something my. i'm forgetting something i'm fer-. and you know she's waiting for that shoe to drop and then he just says what if what and walks away and just that's when she's like Oh, God, oh, you said she just weeps. She breaks down, like, realizing he was going to kill her, he was going to kill her. Yeah. And it was just a great scene, because it's just literally, he's like, it's a game to him. He's just playing with the mouse, playing with the mouse, and will he let her go? Will he not let her go? Who knows? Right. Unlike with the other mouse, who that's the only time you actually see him, that mask was break down, which I thought was really interesting.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and that whole deal, talking about the the strangulation, right?
1: Yeah, Van Hammersmark, yeah.
0: Yeah, for me, that whole, because that's my favorite part of the movie, is the whole Fassbender, you know, infiltrating, and then the tavern scene, and then, you know, the dealings with the actress. It was so out of character, and for me, it seemed to me, there's two things going on in that scene. First of all, she's a German national, so she's a traitor, and he goes through the whole speech in the beginning about how, you know, Germans, they, if they were to equate themselves with an animal, it would be a hawk. Because, you know, they, they're they cunning and they're, they're noble or they're fierce or whatever. I forget what he says. Yeah. It was, kind of, it was kind of BS. But here's one of his own that has turned on him. And that, he's taking that personally. And the fact that her lying to him is so bad. That it's just the whole, I mean, she could have said a million other things. And they could have come up with a million other stories. And they come up with that horrible mountain climbing. And he's like, oh, so, you know, where did you find this mountain in Paris to fall off of today morning? And, he's, and he flat out, you know, is laughing at her. Because he knows, I mean, from the get go, he knows who all these people are, and he knows that she's lying, and so I think that is more offensive to him because she is one of his own. That she should be better than that. That she should, first of all, not want to be a traitor, even though you know, an hour later, he's a traitor. Yeah, that's. But that,
2: that's but big... that
0: she should be better at it. That this is just flimsy and foolish, and she's she's made a she's made the German people look foolish, and he's taken that personally. And Because he chokes the shit out of her. And what's an interesting side note, I don't know if you know this, but that's actually Quentin Tarantino choking Diane Kruger.
1: That I did not know.
0: Yeah, he said in an interview recently that the reason he did it was because he said he didn't want any sort of phony baloney bullshit. There's a way that people look when you actually legitimately strangle them and he and they did it in one take and he asked her he said I want to I want to be the person who does it because there's a certain way I want it to look and I'm actually going to cut off your air and strangle you are you okay with that I'm only going to do it once because but I want an honest reaction and you can tell like when he's strangling her like her eyes bulge out they water like it looks it looks way different than when you know you see people getting choked in movies and uh, first of all they pass out within like 30 or oh, like 3 she, seconds
1: sh- she's panicking and fighting the entire time
0: right right and that's not, and that whole thing because he was really involved with that scene that's where all the feet shots come in his fetishes are so obvious all of that's where you know, he, there's all, there's the whole shoe thing going on and the whole power play and and then it's actually his hands around her neck and that that take was the first and only take they did of that
1: it's one of the more powerful scenes in the movie in this film which is full of amazing scenes and it's shot so well it's tarantino at his best, I think this is probably. I mean, some people say, "Oh, Pulp Fiction is his crowning jewel." I think this is his his crowning jewel.
0: I agree. So far, I think this is the best thing he's ever done, simply because it's not within his comfort zone. It's it's a different country. It's a different. It's different languages. It's a time where people can actually put tell you know he he knows more about the black exploitation film or more about the seventies gangster film than any of us because he's a, he's such a movie buff. There are people out there who know about what happened in history and he went into their playground and played and they might be cringing and absolutely hate it. I loved it. It's, it's probably, it's probably my favorite movie that he's, that he's done in, in, in recent years. I still love Jackie Brown, but this is just a different level. It's a different scale. Jackie Brown is, is a, a high school play compared to the movie that I, that this is.
1: And I I am agreeing with you, but there are some issues. Now, what are some of the things that you found that were wrong with this movie what didn't you like about this movie
0: i didn't like when they have the ultra violent scenes the stand-ins the the, you know when when they're shooting hitler or they're they're stabbing somebody in the back of the neck you can tell that it's a plastic or a a foam dummy that part is so obvious to the point where i'm like this makes this movie more comical than i think it should be Uh, you know he's he's done i mean with far less money so much better and it's not, I mean, compared to Kill Bill, where there's just blood is spewing everywhere because he's paying an homage to, to Kung Fu movies where there's that, that's what they do. You know, an arm comes off and blood sprays for 20 minutes and that's, that's just part, you know, and people are flying through the air. I mean, like, that's just how that, that, that sort of, you know, movie goes. This movie is, is a more realistic movie. And still, just, all that sort of, that sort of stuff was, was terrible. The, the squid packs, the blood that, that people are, you know, when they get shot. If you look at the last scene, and I don't know if we're out of spoiler territory, um, but I can be general about it. There's two people who have shot each other, and one of them's blood is dark black, and the other one is like a pink, a pink red. It's like two different people mix these bloods and no one checked it and no one fit, cleaned that part up in the in the in the edit and that to me was just that's a little bit unforgivable i don't understand if there's a point for it if it's supposed to be comical because i didn't think that 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 particular part fit no but, it, it didn't
1: um, at all it was just it was it was out there and it just seemed like it didn't fit it was one of the few things where the continuity people fucked up
0: yeah what about you what about what about uh, what, what were some things about it that you didn't like well one thing that was kind of buggy is he constantly
1: he loves putting his soundtracks are generally really good in this film and for those who've been listen, listening in the background i've been putting a lot of the music the movie it fit it was very world war Two ish very war film until the scene where emmanuel Shoshana gets ready for quote-unquote war right and playing david bowie's cat people
0: which oh, is a great song
1: but it's like literally like what? And then she's putting on like makeup, like a, a like she's getting ready for war. And then a second later you see her, and none of that makeup's there, and she looks completely different within a minute. So are we yeah. supposed to impose this was in her mind? Was she daydreaming this, or did she really well- do this?
0: Well, no, I mean, I, I know about makeup, so I don't know how many times I have to tell you on this podcast I'm into fashion, Sam, but anyway, um,
1: so... I know you're into fashion. I'm not I, into fashion.
0: I know. So so the, the war paint that she puts on is actually how you put on rouge back in those, those times. They didn't have powdered makeup. All the makeup was liquid-based, and so you would put, because she does the two red marks under her eyes, and, you know, she's putting on this red lipstick, and, um and what she would have done would then be to blend in all of those pigments so that they looked like you know they were they were faded in makeup was not at least daily makeup was not as heavy as like the sort of makeup we can do now so the way that she looked after the fact, with the minus the lipstick, because they did, they, they did. You're right, they didn't carry that over into from the getting ready scene into how she actually looked. But what she was putting on there was was a a, a cream rouge that she then blended in. Because that so, was it,
1: something which did stick out, because that lipstick was red, 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 and it was supposed to. It was there for a reason. Then she's wearing a completely different lipstick later. Yeah, she
0: also wore a black hat with a red dress. Which was very strange to me, and I thought that the hat was going to play a different role, and maybe it's a mourning thing because it had the the fringe on the front. Like maybe it was a precursor to the to the the, the the death to follow sort of sort of deal, but um, but I think I to me I was like that is odd. Like that's not necessarily what you would have worn with that. But I mean, you know, at that point, who knows? Uh, Tarantino's probably got an idea for what he was looking for with that. Well, I like
1: the page boy hat. I actually own like four of them. So I was completely rocking it when I went to see the movie and I was like, Oh my God, she's wearing my hat. Awesome. Nice. Uh, <laughs> you gotta get the
0: matching purse. It's just, it's, it's a must.
1: No, 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 I don't got the, I don't got the figure for it, <laughs> but maybe, maybe something else. I, I, I have to actually go buy some new clothes for my job anyway. Uh, currently, I'm Hey,
0: re- you might want to branch out.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe, but, uh so, yes well unfortunately i no longer have a female influence in my life so it's kind of rough going to Oh, but that's well, you know
0: what you can do there's a podcast called mating habits of the modern geek that you should listen to that will help you hopefully oh. become better at dating
1: oh definitely definitely i'm listen to it and i'll take its advice seriously even <laughs> and i will not do what certain people have done which are too creepy like that person we were talking about <laughs> yes <laughs> all right um yes uh well, we should get on all- back to it. Alright, so since we've spoiled a lot of the movie, let's get into something a little bit more. Um since we're getting we're winding down, it's already been an hour and who is your MVP of the movie? If if it's not who I think it is, I will eat the dodecahedron right now if it's not who I think <laughs> it is.
0: Don't don't eat that. They hurt coming out. Um <laughs> i've heard um so so i thought about it and you and i had talked about it a little bit beforehand and and i ha it has to be it has to be christoph waltz it has to
1: be i completely agree with you that he was the best thing in this film he was he carried it it was his first american film he did amazing the only other person who i think did just as good a job as a steen Steeler, i'm gonna say michael fassbender
0: yes yeah or Yavol. Yavol. for certainly yes well, he's just so—I mean, from a from a, a female standpoint, he's so dreamy, and the whole—I mean, like if he's not speaking German, which you know I melt—he's um, speaking that very proper, proper British. Um, so yeah, no, and he did—he he did good. He looks good in a suit.
1: I I am intrigued to see him next to Ian McKellen in X Men First Class too. That'll be good. Yeah, because you get the, you get them both going at, and also it's and that's Days of Future Past, so that's going to be kind of awesome.
0: Oh, yay, I didn't know that. Oh, I'm excited.
1: It stays it's Days of Future H- Past.
0: I'm a huge X-Men fan. Okay.
1: Uh, so am I. The only thing is I don't like how Wolverine did Gambit, but that's for another podcast.
0: Yo, don't even talk to me. Gambit was my second favorite character of all time, and it's, it's ruined in the movies. Well, yes, that's a different podcast.
1: No, he's, he's one of my favorites. He was the first person I got in that game. You see me playing on uh, Facebook all the time. Oh, nice. Gambit was, and he's awesome. But again, that's for another part. Po- uh, no, that's, another- f- that's for something else. Um, now, what about your LVP?
0: So uh, this was difficult because and- there's so many people in this movie. Uh, let's, um, let's, but-
1: let's make it easier. LVP of the main cast can't be like a background, like the the fat guy in the back who's holding that thing in Okay,
0: over. okay. So I'm going to include this guy in the main cast because he was in the last part the last 20 minutes of the film when he had just been doing a little bit in the, in the, in the first um, of the film. Honestly, my LVP is BJ Novak, who is the guy at the, at the very end where you don't know how they end up with him, but in the, in the last scenes with, with Aldo rain and, and, um, you're talking about the little man. The little man. That's what they call you. Um, yeah, I thought, cause I love, I love The Office. BJ Novak is on The Office and, uh, or was, and is one of the writers for The Office. I also dated a guy who went to church with him. I'm famous. Anyway, so, <laughs> um, I thought his acting was terrible. He, the, the lines that he delivered, I thought, were you in a rush? Like, did no one say, hey, could you please act a little bit? He he's he's an add-on, and he he ruins that. La- he doesn't ruin it, but he really, for me, puts a bad spin on that last couple of scenes because his acting is terrible. He hasn't been featured through the whole thing, and now he gets to like bring up the rear with the big guy with the big dogs. I thought it was a bad placement. You could have used a bunch of other people. Well, I mean, a lot of them weren't didn't make it, but you could have used other people. To, you know, to sort of flesh out that scene or not have had him at all, honestly, because with the exception of the little man line, he doesn't really do a whole lot. He doesn't really add anything. And I thought that was just really just kind of sloppy casting and sloppy, you know, directing like no one stopped him and was like, no, actually, we're not. You know, filming a, a movie at your friend's house, like you got to actually put some emotion through the words you're saying. It's not you're not on the office right now. Like this isn't you're not supposed to be that guy. And he basically plays Ryan from The Office.
1: Yeah, so it's, you got to put your big boy pants on and you got to do this. And he didn't bring his A game. He really no. didn't. Um, the person who I have to give the LVP for in this film, it's mm. kind of tough because everyone did do a good job with it. I mean. The only person I could think of who I would give LVP for, and just because he wasn't in the film and I could have seen so many places to use him in, was, right. was Harvey Keitel.
0: He's only on the phone at the end.
1: I know, but he just literally, they could have used him in so many He's, other places. I mean, they didn't even use him. That's. But if we're talking about the main, main cast, the mm-hmm. only person who really just, I, I don't know, it was, I'm going to have to go with, Jackie Ito, who played Mark Marcel, because he just kind of you kind of bought that he was her lover and you kind of bought that he was involved but it just seemed like he was just kind of there.
0: It seemed like, in a very Tarantino way, because Tarantino likes to, to play up his black cred, it seemed very much like, hey, this movie didn't have any black people. Let's put a black guy in it.
1: Yeah, it was that was it, literally, I mean, you could have had a black Jew in the movie, you could have done so much, but nope
0: or you know honestly this is a movie about uh, france and germany in world war ii you could have had a movie with no black people in it i mean there was no you know it just it was one of those things where i was like okay so who are we pandering to here like what's or the, the, what is this adding the fact that he's black because they bring it up in the film you know like well he can't be there and he can't be running the projector um, clearly, because also we're Nazis. We don't only hate Jews. We hate black people too. You know, we're we hate everybody, um, who isn't us. And so, like, there was that sort of thing thrown in, and it was like, and, and everyone was like, okay, and it was like, oh, oh, well, just it, it just it, yeah, it didn't really go anywhere, and he didn't really serve a purpose. I thought he was a good actor, but I thought, I mean, I just it was very underused. He didn't add anything.
1: He was just kind of like, I'm here. I'm black. I'm the boyfriend, and I'm gonna get the the film, the super highly... Ex- uh, what the hell is that film called? The nitrogen...
0: Yeah, the... Um, the
1: nitrogen-based film? Yeah. Yeah. And and he doesn't really do anything else. Just like, you know, and he doesn't even... He just sit, stands there and by the film watching it, like, not even does it run away.
0: He's just kind of like,
1: okay, I locked myself in. I'm going to, you know...
0: We'll catch on fire. This is cool. Yeah, it was... it it, it, it I think they're probably... Was a lot more between the, their two characters that just you could not have put it in the movie; It would have made the movie unbearably long, and it would have messed up the pacing. And Tarantino is famous for messing up pacing, um, because he wants to tell you everything that's ever happened about everything in his mind. And so, there probably was a lot more going on with them originally when he wrote it, or originally when he when he uh, was thinking about it, and then it just didn't it just didn't get in there. But you still got this character. That nail I mean it's it, essentially he's black for no reason. Yeah, and it's, it's like it's just kinda I'm
1: just like just hanging out. He's just chilling out there, doing really, you know
0: Yeah. You you yeah, you are expect you're expecting more, I agree with you.
1: I would have liked it if after the event we talked about earlier with the nest, mm-hmm. he went in and then he took out the sniper and the sniper took him out. I think that would have added a little bit of pathos to that.
0: Yeah yeah i mean i i don't necessarily want him to save people except we try not to be spoilery but uh, yeah no i think that that could have been that could have been uh, good and if then he had she been involved dies in that his
1: arm, arms as they burned to death that would have been a, a a better ending i think for them
0: yeah i i could have i could have bought that better i wouldn't have been i wouldn't have been as upset about it yeah
1: okay um so what about your favorite scene
0: my favorite scene is the tavern scene for sure. Um, I loved the the interactions. I love the game that they're playing. I love to see the other side of of because I mean everybody on all sides of war, everybody, you know, has has a mama who loves them and has, you know, a favorite game they play even if they're the axis of evil. And so you have these young soldiers, German soldiers, you know, having a good time celebrating the birth of, you know, one of them sons, like really adding a bit of humanity. To the other side, like you, like you, like these look like fun party people who are just doing, you know, what they're being told to do. And you know, the whole espionage part was great, and I love Diane Kruger, and I love the whole double agent thing happening. And of course, then there's Michael Fassbender, and that that whole unease of them coming down and and whatever. And then the the piece to the resistance, when very much like Strider at the Prancing Pony, Lord of the Rings fans, the SS officer. Who just sort of appears, and they had not accounted for him, and they did not believe that he was going to be there, and how he goes in and throws the big wrench into the works that whole interchange between all of them I, I, lo- I will watch that scene every single time it's on I, I just absolutely love that whole that whole exchange
1: no I, 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 lo- I it's a very good scene, and I just love that it just and I love at the ending when Adol's like, "You come up, we'll let you go, and yeah, they let him're sure they let him go. <laughs>
0: Well, that hey, they didn't know, but that was that was yeah, every man for himself. You gotta you gotta protect your ass, and, and uh, yeah,
1: but I just, yeah. I just love it. It's just like yeah, he's a man of his word. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, all your love and war.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's Aldo Rain, so he does his- I think the party was the best scene in the film. Mm-hmm. Was one of the best scenes in the film, but I'm gonna have to go with th- that opening. That opening is just so deliciously horrible.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's cring- it's cringeworthy. It's good,
1: and and just that smile on his face as he waves her off.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that was. Though no, you're right that that it was really. If that hadn't been in the beginning of the movie, it would have made a completely different movie. That just sets it sets the tone for. Get ready, folks. This is going to be something very interesting.
1: It it sets the pacing weird because it opens up with that great scene, then it's a lot of dialogue, then you get a little bit of action, then it's a lot of dialogue, but still. So, since we're at that point, let's talk about the ratings. Now, for those who don't know, we have a five-point rating system. We don't use numbers or thumbs up or stars. We have phrases, and they go all over the game, but pretty much telling you how we feel about the film, if they're really good, really bad, or whatever. Now, now, Kelly, what do you think about this movie? What would you give it out of our five-point rating? Which one seems the most fitting?
0: Well, with, with me prefacing this with the fact that um, when you and I were talking and you are like, hey, do you want to come on and do a movie review? And I'm like, only if it's one of these collection of films. And this was definitely one in them. I have to give it your RRRFC. I have to.
1: Oh yeah, though definitely it's it's really 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 fucking cool. If you don't buy this now, your brain will freeze, your eyes will swell up, and your soul will be forfeit to the ninth layer of hell. Will be forced to watch episode one for all eternity while Charger Binks massages your soul. you saying, "You <laughs> meanwhile, Hans Lando offers you some milk while smiling very politely."
0: Oh my God! Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I've seen that actually happen to people who haven't watched this movie. So be warned. Yeah, just you just smile like.
1: So it's a, it's one of the best films we've done on this podcast, and it's a really good film. It's a solid film. The only thing I will preface that with is if if you're going to watch this and you're someone who doesn't like thought-provoking films or films with a lot of dialogue, you're not going to like this film. They're, no, it's very dialogue-heavy. There is action, but it's not. That's the frosting to the cake. The cake Absolutely. is the interaction with the characters, the way everything is comes together and culminates into this big explosion of anarchy and insanity and if you're a Brad Pitt fan unfortunately he is in it for maybe 20 minutes of the film at that, but it's a
0: good 20 minutes
1: oh he is seen stealing every 20 minutes and also he has the best Italian accent I have ever heard because he speaks Italian the best the next <laughs> Donna speaks it afterwards
0: are you gonna do it or should I you do it Arrivederci uh,
1: Levaderci, <laughs>
0: uh, or <laughs>
1: yes. So um, remember, you can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spyarkan.com. You can email me spyrekin, gmail.com, You can email Kelly at
0: a modern at gmail.com.
1: We're on Facebook, Twitter, both of us. We have uh, Facebook pages, Twitter pages. Apparently, we're also could be found on feeds like AlphaCounter.com.
0: <laughs> AlphaCounter.com, yes.
1: Yes, Sean. There's your plug.
0: That'll be $20. Or just the use of your equipment.
1: (laughs) Yes. Exactly. $20 or you plug us. um, And, uh, well, I'll get to that afterwards when we're in singer territory. But, uh, so, we should get in that part we've all been waiting for. What am I talking about? I'm talking about that one. That only. The
0: dodecahedron of movies.
1: I actually like that. That's kind of sexy and awesome. Thank you. No problem. So, for those who don't know, the dodecahedron is... 12-sided object, and what we're doing is we're going to assign 9 movies to this 12-sided object, and what I'll do is I'm going to roll it, and we're going to see what we're reviewing in the next episode of the Spark and Movie Review. And yes, I know you're like, wait a minute, he said 12-sided, but there's only 9. The reason why is that there's 3 special sides. If it lands on a 10, that means that it is the co-host choice. So, Kelly, you get to choose. If it lands on 11, I roll again. And if it lands on a 12, it's my choice out of the films, which, well, we'll see where it goes. So let me roll this one. This All one, right. And we'll see what we're reviewing. Number
0: two. <gasps> Ooh, this is, a, this is an oldie but a goodie.
1: An oldie um, but a goodie.
0: Yeah, I'm, I might want to be on this one. Number two that I've randomized is Silence of the Lambs.
1: Hello, Clarice. Oh, definitely. If you want to come back, you can. Uh,
0: I'm a huge, huge Thomas Harris geek, so those movies are scarily important to me. <laughs>
1: uh, yes, and also it is the the second film with Hannibal Lecter. Yes. Most people think it's the first. It's actually
0: the second. But well, he was well, he was in Red Dragon, and then there's Hannibal Rising. Don't forget about the prequel.
1: Uh, then there was the actual, the original film, which came out in 1980.
0: I think the one before it with Hannah.
1: It was the original Red Dragon. The
0: original Red Dragon with um that really huge guy who played Dollar Dollarhide. Yeah. Um. Oh, who was that? He's someone famous. So people should write you in and tell you who it is because I and to look it up for you because I used to know who played him. But yeah, well we'll you're right. we'll,
1: we'll know for the next episode. We'll see. Cause I'm behind schedule again. It's not. No. F- I have a new job, but oh, but you know, I guess um. But we'll get into that rant in the Stingers, so with that in mind...
0: This is Kelly Hightower from Mating Habits of the Modern Geek, and my favorite quote from *Inglorious Bastards is...
1: You didn't say
3: the goddamn rendezvous was in a fucking basement. I didn't know. You said it was in a tavern.
1: It is a tavern.
3: Yeah, in a basement. You know, fighting in a basement offers a lot of difficulties. Number one being, you're fighting in a basement. What if we go in there and she's not even there?
1: We wait
0: favorite line.
1: Ah. Oh, I love that scene. And this is your host Zahn, of the Spark and Movie View and my favorite quote from 2009's *Inglorious Bastard is probably going to be
3: The Hugo Stiglitz. Lieutenant Aldo Rain. these are the bastards. Ever heard of us? We just to wanna to say we're a big fan of your work when it comes to killing Nazis? I think you show great talent. And I pride myself in having an eye for that kind of talent. It's your status in the Nazi killers still amateur we all come here to see if you want to go pro hey,
1: Gonsville catch you next time and we will see you
0: see you later
3: My name is Lieutenant Aldo Rain and I'm putting together a special team and I need me eight soldiers. Eight Jewish American soldiers. Now y'all might have heard rumors about the Armada happening soon. Well, we'll be leaving a little earlier. We're gonna be dropped into France dressed as civilians. Once we're in enemy territory, as a bushwhacking guerrilla army, we're gonna be doing one thing and one thing only. Killing Nazis. Now I don't know about y'all, but I sure as hell didn't come down from the goddamn Smoky Mountains, cross five thousand miles of water, fight my way through half of Sicily, and jump out of a fucking airplane to teach the Nazis lessons in humanity. Nazi ain't got no humanity. They're the foot soldiers of a Jew-hating, mass-murdering maniac, and they need to be destroyed. That's why any and every some bitch we find wearing a Nazi uniform. They're going to die. Now, I am the direct descendant of the mountain man Jim Bridger. That means I got a little engine in me. And our battle plan will be that of an Apache resistance. We will be cruel to the Germans. And through our cruelty, they will know who we are. And they will find the evidence of our cruelty in the disemboweled, dismembered, and disfigured bodies of their brothers we leave behind us. And the German won't be able to help themselves. But imagine the cruelty their brothers endured at our hands, and our boot heels, and the edge of our knives. And the German will be sickened by us. And the German will talk about us. And the German will fear us. And when the German closes their eyes at night, and they're tortured by their subconscious for the evil they have done, it will be with thoughts of us that they are tortured with. Sound good? Yes, sir.
1: So now we're now we will get a stinger territory because that's always fun. You okay. Have go, so unless you got to go I, like now,
0: <laughs> I don't I don't have to go. But remind me your format for stinger for because I it's been like two weeks since I've listened to your podcast.
1: Oh, stingers are just this is bullshit time. Oh, okay. This is bullshit time. Uh, so pretty much um, because this movie's amazing. Django was Django was really good. I will say this: it's a really good. You definitely have to watch it. It is totally worth watching. Um, okay. So, yes, but so what do you... So besides that, um, what movies are you looking forward to for 2013? Anything really good?
0: Okay, so, so get into this. Um, I like the Star Trek reboots. Okay. And I am almost criminally obsessed with Benedict Cumberbatch.
1: Um, um, okay.
0: The, the guy who's playing John Harrison, who's playing the villain. And so, who allegedly um, is
1: not Khan, but I'm pretty sure he is Khan.
0: I'm pretty sure he's Khan. I mean, the the John Harrison character in the original series is like a nobody, so you know, I, I he's going to be in Khan, and and he's doing something with like, I can help your daughter. Like he's doing something. Like you know, it's eugenics. You know, it's Khan. I mean, let's not even let's quit fucking around. But um, I'm excited about that. Um, technically, I'm excited about the second Hobbit. Um, I actually like the first Hobbit. Uh, I know a lot of people didn't. I didn't think it was as good as Lord of the Rings, but, you know, I still liked it. I want to go see the Guillermo del Toro movie Mama, because I like scary movies, and no one will go with me, because I'm the only one who likes scary movies, and I'm not going by myself.
1: I thought it was good.
0: Oh, you've seen all the movies I want to see.
1: No, there's a lot of movies I've, I, I haven't seen. I haven't seen a new Arnold movie yet.
0: <laughs> oh, so yeah, so you could go to that one on your own. I'm not a huge Arnold fan. What? Which is that? What is that? The last stand. Okay.
1: But, um, you have, I mean, I like The Hobbit 2. I only had one issue with the movie. And it's so, okay. it's, it shows how much of a geek I am. Because I watched the extended beforehand opening scene of Fellowship of the Rings when they go to the flashback. Right. Bilbo trips, falls, lands in the ground. He's trying to get up. He goes. He reaches his hand in the sand. What the? What's this? Finds the ring. This one. I'm. Oh look, there! Golem clubbing a, a goblin to death. And oh look, the ring falls out of his pocket. I'm gonna grab it. That was a little bit. That was a little bit sloppy. That was really sloppy. That, it's. I mean, besides that, that's my favorite scene in the whole movie, is the is riddles in the dark. It is the best scene in the movie, I think.
0: How... Okay, so do you feel so sorry for Gollum when um, when Bilbo has the ring on and he's invisible? or invisible. Um, and he... I say invisible, has,
1: just to let you know. So invisible.
0: I like to say invisible. I don't know why. Um, I also say Tay interwebs. But when he's when he's invisible and he's got the he's got the he's got Sting poised ready to to kill Gollum and he can't because he's a halfway decent uh, being and uh, I mean Bilbo is and Gollum is looking pathetic because he's lost his precious. I actually teared up at that point.
1: Oh yeah, no, I felt sad for him. I thought it was a really poignant scene. It's a shame because also it's the last time we're going to see him.
0: Oh, that's right. No more. Well, Andy Circus has got to be in that movie somewhere, and in, in the other two movies somewhere. Well,
1: he's unit. He's a unit B director, so he has to have some cameo.
0: Yeah, I mean, I. For me, I'm a little bit annoyed that Jackson made it three movies. It is such a short book, and so we're putting in things that you. I mean, like the first one was. I thought the pacing was pretty good. That weird rock mountain, the rock giants on the mountain battle, was ridiculous. But. Um, I I at
1: first was wondering what the hell is that, and then I read the book again. That's actually in the book. I'm like, oh my god! It's like it's like two set. It's like a paragraph, and I'm like, oh my god! It's in the book. Oh, see, I haven't read the book since I was eight. So it's that's in, like, it's in the book. It's in there then. It's like a paragraph, but it explains it. It's really just like
0: it, my 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 fear is if you adapt a book to the screen books are so there's so much information in books and there's so much that is really best left up to the imagination of the viewer or of the reader and so when you want to stretch it out for three movies this you know 150 page book three two and a half hour long movies it means you're going to be putting every single thing in there and he's like oh i included things from the cimmerillion well the cimmerillion was terrible like nobody like that was just a book of bagats. it was horrible and so, you know, just, it's, it's, for me, my big fear is that by move, by halfway through movie two, we're going to have told all our story. And now it's just a bunch of, look at how pretty the elves are, which I'll still go by because I like the elves, but still, it, um, mm.
1: i I was, um, I found out something kind of, which makes me really pissed off because of this expansion. Um, you know how a lot of times when there are toys that are released, they kind of spoil things about the movie. Yeah. Uh, The new Lego set for The Hobbit has the Mirkwood Spiders. Uh, Guess who is the one who saves the day? It's not Bilbo. Who saves the day? Legolas. Shut your face. That's ridiculous. Because this is the crowning achievement, because that's when Bilbo gets into his own. Because he actually saves the day. I mean, and they're going to give it to Legolas? Because Orlando Bloom is...
0: Really, he needs to be in a movie. Like he hasn't been in a movie in twenty years. Like he's like, oh well, I got my, I still got my elf ears, guys. Put me in, send me in, coach. Yeah, that's annoying. I don't like that. I mean, you certainly shouldn't shouldn't change that pivotal thing. I mean, um, hopefully
1: they just throw that away like they did with Liv Tyler going to be at the uh, at the, at the Battle of Helms Deep.
0: Oh no, she's oh
1: she was supposed to be in it, but they they threw it out, which was good, I think, because you know that was a complete rewriting.
0: Yeah, I just I don't see the need to to you know bring up these other actors. Like you've already you've already got people are going to go see it. You've already got them hooked. It's not like it's going to change anything. I will say that I think Martin Freeman is doing an amazing job playing. But he his mannerisms, his he's way better than Elijah Wood in my opinion. I, Elijah Wood got on my damn nerves. Oh yeah, no. in the in the Rick trilogy, I, I was like, you are just you are just like a, a worthless piece of milk toast. You cry all the damn time. You don't listen to anybody. You're mean to Sam, like you know. Forget you, forget you, uh, Frodo. Um, I, I think Martin Martin Freeman's doing an amazing job. Oh yeah,
1: and it's the growth which I like. I like how he's going to become a better person throughout the films. I like that. Um, the the dwarves though, I feel really bad about because it's really like they're thirteen of them, and we really only remember six of them.
0: Yeah, well, there's t- well, that's that's a, that's a flaw in writing. Yeah, he, they, that's it's too many main characters. You, there's no way that especially in a movie that we're going to be able to actually give a shit about all 13. Mm,
1: true. Um, but you, you remember a lot of them. And also, I think that the fact how they're incorporating the songs from the book is really well done.
0: Yeah, A lot of people don't like that. I don't mind it at all. I think it's I mean, it, if you're if you're watching a movie about hobbits and dwarves and orcs and elves and wizards, and you're angry because the singing makes it silly. It's like okay, fanboy. <laughs> you know, a little, a little, get a little perspective here. Like you know, it, this is a fantasy setting, and the mu- the the songs in the um first three in the in the Lord of the Rings were so beautiful and moving and so important. Especially you know, like in uh, Return of the King, um, when um Pippin is singing, it, it, that stuff's important.
1: Yeah, no, it it's a big point, and just. You can't leave that out because it's what makes it's what makes the it's what makes it makes the universe more tangible, more real, and it makes it a much better film. I think it gives yeah. it that fantasy, which that high fantasy, which we're, a lot of us miss because there aren't that many fantasy films anymore. I mean, not
0: high anything. fantasy, no,
1: no, and I mean there isn't going to be much else. I mean, I'm hearing rumors they might try Earthsea for the fifth time.
0: It's just, just give it up. It up. It's, they're not going to be able to do it.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, when Miyazaki, uh, when Studio Ghibli fucked it up, I mean, that was also because it was his idiot son, but still, when they fuck it up, at that yeah. point, it's done. I mean...
0: Let it go. Yeah. yeah, agreed.
1: I mean, the next thing I'm hearing is that they want to do... Um, you read fantasy books, right? Yes. All right. Piers Anthony's uh, Magical Kingdom of Landover. They they want to do with Steve Carell as the main character, really? As Ben Holiday, this fat, chubby lawyer, and they're throwing kids in.
0: Don't throw kids into anything. Kids ruin everything. Listen up, America. Kids are the worst. <laughs> um, <laughs> some things, not all things, because I know this is my is my 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 personal political speech. Kids are the worst. But no, yeah, I. That's 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 odd casting. I mean, I love Steve Carell, but that seems that seems iffy. Iffy. I'll have to wait to see what they do with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're doing the a live action version of the 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 Graveyard Book, but that's really not high fantasy. I don't think. No. That's something else altogether. That's Neil Gaiman being Neil Gaiman. Yeah. And they're doing American Gods. They're trying to get done.
0: Everyone's going to hate the film version of that.
1: I know, but I mean, how are you supposed to do it as a TV show?
0: I don't know that you I, for me, for me and my and my uh, Neil Gaiman I I just I don't I don't necessarily know that they should ever do anything. I mean, just let him just just write and we'll move on. Um, because for me for me his stuff is so good. I mean, could you imagine if they tried to do like a Sandman
1: They've been trying to do that for years. I've read so many scripts that are done that have the good idea with it. I mean, but
0: visually, you can't do it. It's just you won't be. I mean, like you know, they'll throw Johnny Depp in it.
1: I'd say the only way to do it is if you do animated. That's the only way it would work.
0: Agree. I think animated would totally work, but I don't think that um, anyone's going to want to fund that. I think that when you when you make something animated, you've already alienated a good seventy percent of the general population who won't. I ain't paying no money to see no damn cartoon. Like you've already lost half your audience. Yeah, it's gonna end. Especially, especially if it's no, if it's adult oriented and, and kids aren't supposed to go.
1: Yeah, it's gonna end up like the Lady Death movie or Redline. It's you, no one's gonna see it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't see the Lady Death movie.
1: Uh, It's it's. Meh. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Lady Death. But my friend's a huge fan of Lady Death and Evil Ernie, so he drugged me to see it. It was terrible.
0: I like the I like the uh, action figures back when I was collecting action figures. I thought they were pretty well done. Claiborne Moore was making them and they, was sculpting them, and they were pretty good. But
1: I thought, but Mc, yeah, I thought McFarlane was was collecting was sculpting them. But
0: well, maybe so. I, I just maybe Claiborne Moore had something to do with the. There was Purgatory and Lady Death
1: and Dawn, and, yeah,
0: and Dawn, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, that's from when I worked in a comic shop years ago.
0: <laughs> back in the day
1: back when I I remember back when you had people who had lots of pockets and Claremont drew way too much crap.
0: <laughs> you want to talk about pockets and pouches you need to talk about Rob Liefeld.
1: yep I know
0: yeah I mean that's he's the pocket guy but um, which no one ever takes anything out of the pouches they're just pouches but what what other do have we covered all the movies that you're excited about No
1: I mean there's a bunch I mean let's see now let's go through the the list we got um this month is done. Uh, you know, you have uh, next month, Parker's the only thing I'm well, no, Parker's the last thing this month I want to see.
0: Yeah, that'll be good. I just like a Jason Statham movie. I just like to go with a bunch of women and we're like, we don't know what's happening, just we're watching it because it's good. Well, it's Jason Statham. Um,
1: someone says I should watch Warm Bodies because it's supposed to be good. I don't. I. Uh,
0: that's. I think. Okay, so that's. that's no, I forgot about that one. I'm excited about that one because I. I got into a huge Facebook fight, like you do. Because I made the point that, so, in media, human beings create stories about things that scare them, and then after they're done with the things that scare them, they romanticize them, and then they sexualize them so that they're no longer scary. And it happened, like, you know, back when people were afraid of disease, you know, we had werewolves and vampires. And so we wrote about them as being scary up until maybe, you know, 30 years ago. And so then they became something that was romanticized and rice and, and, and all those authors came out. And so it was okay to find them sexy. And then they went into the young adult versions where now younger, like Twilight and that whole crowd. Like, so now it's okay to even like, like, you know, there's your hunky, uh, you know, good guys in the book are vampires and werewolves. And so now we have warm bodies, which I haven't read the book, but I've heard that in the book it's not necessarily a romance, but zombies are a big thing. They've been a big thing for the past 10 years. And they're, they're supposedly supposed to represent our fear of commercialization and our loss of individuality. And so the, the idea that, you know, we had walking dead, we have all the, you know, night of the living dead movies that have been you know, out for many, many years. And so zombies are, are scary and gross. And then now they're in fiction there's been a lot there have been a lot of books where zombies are sympathetic characters and they're no longer gross. They're things they're, you know, creatures you need to help or you're trying to do whatever. And now we've got the young adult version where we've got a zombie who eats the brain of a guy who's in love with this girl and for whatever reason suddenly, you know, his love for her is gonna bring his humanity back. And I just, I, I find that sweet and silly, and so I will actually like that movie. I know a lot of people will not give a shit about it, which I completely understand.
1: I'm going to give it a chance because it looks intriguing, but I don't know. Zombies used to be my favorite monster, but they just, like you said, they're over-commercialized, and... and um. Romero and Tom Savini are rolling in their graves, which they have not even gotten into yet.
0: I know, so I like, Tom Savini's alive and well. I see him every year at Dragon Con, and he's amazing. I, know. I love him.
1: No, he, no he's, he, he's awesome. I mean, I've met him. He's, he's brilliant.
0: Yeah, no, he's a great guy.
1: I just, you know. But trying. yeah,
0: it's, 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 it's getting, you know, that's the, the next thing. I mean, you, you never thought there'd be a, a, a zombie romantic comedy where the zombie is part of the romance. And like, like, nope. Here it is. Guys, so, what's this? next? Like, if next, you know, now we have to come up with a new thing that scares us.
1: Well, werewolves and, w- have failed horribly, unfortunately, and they're never going to get a good one done.
0: No, no, well, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. I mean, unless you are just looking for campy horror, like the actual werewolf transformation is is yeah, they, it's it's very difficult to do.
1: Yeah, it's it's they have to get a good one. I really want to see a good werewolf movie, and I mean, like American Werewolf in London level good
0: yeah keep keep dreaming now werewolves are just sexy like beefcake characters they're they're, they'll they'll never make them scary again
1: we do not speak of that movie (laughs) and that's why the lost boy episode title is going to be david and michael will beat the shit out of edward nine times out of ten
0: it's so funny to me the, the rage and anger about about that whole series I, I just, it's it's because people either so love it or they so hate it. But you have
1: to admit that's <laughs> completely true. Michael and Edward and David would beat the shit out of Edward any day of the week.
0: Well, <laughs> well certainly, certainly, but Edward, Edward wouldn't would be, fight <laughs> be fighting with them. No, he'd try
1: to make out with them, and then Jacob. Would sh-
0: definitely, well, they weren't making out with anybody. So <laughs> well,
1: well, <laughs> they were. They were David, out. David was trying to hit on the one girl star until she just. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, Jamie Gertz. Yep. Yeah. God, that was such a good, Lost Boys is a good movie. The sequels were not bad. I didn't mm. see any of the sequels.
1: The frog have to check them out. The Frog Brothers come back.
0: I love the Frog well, Brothers. Well, actually, one
1: of the Frog Brothers, because the other one turned.
0: The non-Cory Feldman, or did Corey Feldman turn? The not Feldman. Okay, the unfeldman.
1: <laughs> I just call him the Feldman. The <laughs> Feldman. <laughs>
0: That's, that's how you relate to the Coreys. One's the Feldman.
1: The other one is the not Feldman.
0: <laughs> the not Feldman?
1: <laughs> uh, Corey Haymes. Uh, it's a shame. <laughs> you were, I know. You did so many good movies, and then you went just uh, being. He's one of those actors that dis- that died before his time. Like um, the guy from Sidekicks and um, another sci fi movie. Uh. What the hell is his name? Um, he was Bastion in one of the movies, in one of the Neverending Stories.
0: Oh, um, 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 he was also in Sequest.
1: Yes, that guy.
0: Um, Brandon, or
1: yeah, Br- oh. Brandon uh, something. Yeah, he, he Yeah, no, I know who you're talking about. But he went but for other reasons. He didn't die naturally.
0: No, well, no, not, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, poor guy. He he was he was depressed. Um, was it Zachary Brandon? No.
1: Uh, Brandon... Son- uh, Nicholas... No, not Nicholas Brandon. He's he's my favorite character from Buffy. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> hey, my... N- same name. I, gotta, I know. I gotta, go. I gotta go with that. I have to go with that. Because he's... Because um, Xander Lavelle Harris was one of the best characters, and I hate haters on him, even though I think they should have went with the original plan for that show.
0: What was, what was the, the original plan?
1: plan? Uh, he was going to die second episode of season seven and the rest of the series, whenever you see Xander, it's not Xander, it's the first.
0: Oh! Ooh, that would have been good.
1: I mean, honestly, I think that Buffy ended Season 5.
0: Yeah, I agree with you.
1: Season 6 was terrible. Everyone's like, oh, 6 was cool, because it had all the cool... No, Season 6 sucked. And 7 was getting better, but, I mean, it introduced Kennedy, who I... I do Listen, not like her.
0: I I am a huge Weeden fan and I love the Buffy verse. I hate Buffy. I absolutely hate the character of Buffy. I thought she was useless. It was always about the White Hats. It was always about um, you know Angel and then I because I liked the Angel spinoff, um, but I Buffy herself I found to be just terrible. And so you like for me I'm like well, I'm watching this for Willow and Xander and to see what happens with them and for Giles like that's the reason I'm watching Buffy and then. Oh, yeah. Of course, um, Spike, because that's really a, one of my favorite characters.
1: My favorite character in, if we count, well, not Xander, but my favorite character in both series only got one season in Angel, and that pissed me off.
0: Who was, was it? it? Dwight. Who was Dwight?
1: Not Dwight. Doyle. Doyle. Doyle.
0: Oh, right. Oh, yeah, Doyle was great. I hated it. They got, that, they got rid of him. Yeah,
1: because he was a cool character. He wasn't good. He wasn't bad. He was just, and then... Pfft, we're gonna kill him off and replace yeah. him with Wesley.
0: Which I mean, I like Wesley, but they could have had all of them. I mean, at one point, Angel had like fifteen people on it, yeah. um, and I was always a big fan of Lorne. I, another person who, another actor who died before his time. He had that weird heart thing that happened.
1: Yeah, he had the uh, yeah, which was a shame because Lorne was he was he was one of the best characters on the show. Also, yeah, I, he he's great. Had the best line in the in the Smile Time episode. We need a
0: Geppetto. <laughs> uh, my favorite line in the Small time episode was you're a wee puppet man. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh,
1: someone said we should review that that episode of of Angel and I'm thinking it's either going to be that one or the uh the episode in Pilea.
0: That was a good one too. That was a good one too. And that one got that one got um Amy Acker back, right? Yep, introduction of Fred. Yeah. yeah. Which was also such a good character. Yeah.
1: And then she made- have to what we watched that
0: whole series again.
1: And then and then I liked what and then the whole thing, the original we're gonna do with Illyria where because of the whole um the whole window of whatchamacallit, which had um, the memories of Connor, mm-hmm. Fred would have come back in Illyria and they would have had like a split personality.
0: Yeah, that would have been great. I don't know if you remember who created this series. It's called Joss Whedon, he's the killer of dreams. If you love a character, they're sure to die and probably soon.
1: Yes, but Coleman's co- Coulson's coming back.
0: I've heard that. I've heard that Coulson is we we didn't see we didn't see him buried so he's not dead.
1: No, he's the main character in Shield and it's present.
0: I well I know I have a um, someone who's been on my podcast who's co-hosted my podcast before who's a huge Coulson fan, so I'm sure she already knows this. Uh, but but she she would be extremely happy. I have yeah, that was a, I got teared up at Avengers at just that moment, I was like, "No, Coulson!" It, it was done really well that scene. It made it was
1: just it's done so well, and it just I, that movie was great. And actually, I was I took a girl on a first date to see Avengers.
0: Oh wow, was she was she geeky at all?
1: Um, she said she was. Unfortunately, oh, was she, she, she
0: she was lying.
1: She, she failed.
0: Ah,
1: oh. <laughs> she failed horribly.
0: Oh, well, that's sad.
1: It it is sad, but you know what? At least I knew now instead of later on. You know? Did you?
0: Can you? Can you? Have you told that story before on the podcast? Can you tell why she failed? This is pertinent to my my podcast interest.
1: Oh, um, I I wanted to save it for the for mating habits.
0: Okay. All right. Well, good. We'll 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 bring it up then. <laughs> yeah, because she no, because she tried
1: talking the talk, but she you know because she wore the glasses, which I found out were fake.
0: Oh, that's bullshit. She did that. She'd be rolling up with fake glasses, it's like me wearing a fake cast. She said, "Oh, like,
1: <laughs> oh, oh, I'm definitely want to see the Avengers. It looks really cool, and it's, it's, it's like, um, and then she opens up after like five minutes and says a comment like, oh, is that your me- Is that your? Is this like your your home planet?'
0: Oh, <gasps> yes. Yeah. At yeah, first, I was is, like,
1: really? I still that still loved it because it was.'" Still watching it. Still think it's an awesome movie. Loved it, and then just it went further. The comments, the snarky remarks. Oh, that one implausible. Oh, he's cute. Okay, Chris, uh, the not Chris Evans, the uh, Chris Helmsworth.
0: Uh yeah um. No
1: no no. I'm not. I like I said. I I I know enough women who love him to death, and I'm just like okay. And then just talking about his pecs
0: for 40 minutes on a first date. That's a bit much. You don't want to, yeah. You don't ever want to talk about other people on a first date. But this is this is all mating habits. This is mating habits podcast gold. We should save it.
1: Yes, I know we should save it. Um, all right. So let's see. Last thing for the year: Great Gatsby, Iron Man three, um, Hangover three. They're doing much do about nothing. Why?
0: <laughs> yeah, Hangover three, really. Um, see, I loved Hangover one, the first Hangover. I thought it was great, and then Hangover two. I wanted to. Just, just kill, kill the world because well, I thought it was terrible.
1: terrible. Yep, and oh, uh, yeah. I just the second one was just terrible, and Due Date was a much better movie. Yeah,
0: yes, I, I like liked Due Date. That was, that was good.
1: good. Oh yeah, it was it was great, especially the scene with um, the Pink Floyd. Hey you, <laughs> 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 that is what you, what happens when you get stoned. Just that whole whoa. <laughs> Yeah, um, Wolverine's coming out, and that takes place after X Men: Last Stand. Okay. I know, I know. It's like really,
0: it's. I mean, like, how much more money does Hugh Jackman need? Like, just stop making these Wolverine movies.
1: Well, he loves the character. He's become a fan of it, and also it hopefully it does a good movie because it's got. Um, it's based on the original one by Frank Miller, so it might be good.
0: Maybe because Origins was. Utter oh shite.
1: The opening was the best part of that movie, and that was done really well.
0: Yeah, when, when, honest to God, when Will I Am is one of your better characters in your film, pack it in, like, because not nothing against Will I Am, but he's not a he's not like a huge actor, like yeah, not Meh. Not. Okay, so what? So what? Anything no. else?
1: No, there's a bunch, but I'm just gonna go through quick. One second, I have a list, and there's one other that I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, we did, we did Hobbit, we did that. Um, Ender's Game.
0: I think they're going to ruin it, but that's just me.
1: It's got Bank Kingsley and Harrison Ford in it, so I don't know. It might not.
0: <laughs> well, but okay, so here's the thing about Harrison Ford. I adore Han Solo, and I absolutely love Indiana Jones. Everything else that Harrison Ford has ever done, it's like he spec'd out something at his house he needed to build or his ranch in Montana. And he's like, well, let me go make a movie and get the money for that. He, the last couple of things I've seen him in, including the final horrible Indiana Jones movie, um, he's just like, hey, check it out. on Harrison Ford. I don't really have to do a whole lot. So I'm worried that he's not going to bring the gravitas that Ender's Game needs. Ender's Game is so iconic. It's it just ugh, It's, it's going to make, make me
1: sad, sad if he's just, just old, old and could give a, a shit Harrison Ford. Well, he's playing um, Graff, so I think he might do good, because he's a good military person. I mm-hmm. think he might be a good general. And, speaking of which, I watched all four Indiana Jones in order
2: uh-huh.
1: in theaters. They okay. No, they had the marathon. I watched it. I got to see it for free. And I reassessed my position about Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. It's a bad Indiana Jones movie, but it's not a bad movie. It flows well. There's only one scene that fucks up the whole movie, and it's with Shia LaBeouf. The only thing that fucks up the movie. The rest of the movie is okay. You can can get past it, because think about it. Indiana Jones 2. They fall out of an airplane in a raft, and they survive. Yeah. Yeah. So that that cancels out Nuclear Fridge.
0: It doesn't, though. It doesn't cancel out Nuclear Fridge. He couldn't have get, gotten out of the fridge in the first place, honestly. Oh, don't even t- I won't even talk about nuclear fridge. I wanted to storm out of the theater at that point. I, I, I really did. I'm like, well, why don't we just all get fridges? You know, like, the Cold War could have been completely avoided if we all just had a fridge to go hide in. I, I mean,
1: the only, th- the, the thing, the two things the issues was Shia LaBeouf with the monkeys. That was stupid. Yes. yes. And the other thing was um, Ox with the Henry Jones Jr.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, um, for me, it was the person, person who used Flash, Flash Animator to make the ants, because hmm. um, they, they were terrible. terrible. The, the when those like really, or like really the, were the ants or beetles? Oh, the, they were some the horrible CGI bugs. Yeah,
1: the ants killing the guy, but that was already the the person they originally were gonna have do that was dead, so they really were they just have to ask it because originally the guy who was gonna be that Russian. Was the same guy who was in the first movie as the um as the 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 pilot with the bare knuckles, right? Who was also in the second movie as the guy, the the thuggy who gets crushed by the rock crusher, who yes. was in the third movie as the Nazi who gets crushed by the tank.
0: Well, it wasn't it wasn't the death that bothered me. It was the animation. It was the the CGI.
1: I know, but I think that they just were like, oh, he's not in it, so we'll just make the CG look like shit. <laughs>
0: You can't do that when you have a major motion picture. Everything has to be good. And also, I'm I'm a big Kate Blanchett fan. Um, I think she's an amazing actress. But her Russian character was just so... I'm like, can we get Molotov cocktails in here? Because honestly, the Venture Brothers could have animated a better, like, just character. I mean, you know, and she has the black hair, and I kept expecting her to, you know, suddenly turn to the camera and... A vodka. It's the best of vodka you can buy. Like it was just so heavy-handed. The whole movie was ham-handed to me. I don't. The concept was fine. I thought he was too old. Animation was bad, and and a lot of the a lot of the acting was heavy-handed. I love how suddenly now we're reviewing uh, Crystal Skull. But anyway. <laughs> hey
1: hey hey hey! It's, it happens. I mean, we did this with the Matrix when we were talking about uh, Equilibrium. We ended up talking about the Matrix and my hatred for the third and second movie.
0: Okay. I agree with you fully,
1: yeah. Yeah, because I was like, oh, it's a- oh, the second movie was awesome, like, okay, two-thirds of the way in the movie, you have a montage sequence, which would have been a trailer for the third movie, but it's not?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, my boyfriend loves the second movie. He thinks there's all sorts of, like, you know, benefits to it, and he'll talk to me about it, and I zone out and think about shoes. That's, so. that's
1: why I was like, I said, that's why we watched Equilibrium, and that's why that movie's amazing, and Matrix 2 was...
0: Meh. Ah, as
1: good. The third one. The only good thing was the fight sequence with um, Bane versus Neo, because that because right. that ending you did not expect. You didn't expect him to get his eyes burnt out. You didn't expect it.
0: You're it's
1: right. It's the third time we fucking talked about that movie. But uh, what time is it? Ten eighteen. Uh, oof, rather late. we could do this
0: for days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely.
1: No, definitely. And um, with some of the other stuff we got going on, like the game review, like we're going to be reviewing some other. Uh, we're doing real games.
0: What, a real, gonna, I mean, what do you mean? real games?
1: We're going to be reviewing Cards Against Humanity. Oh, that's a good game. Oh yes, and I heard there's a new version coming out, expansion pack three. Ooh. With when when Obama was voted for president, I dot dot dot.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Uh, oh, speaking of which, I know, and I'm also I've also voted for him. My coworker is a huge anti... It's just horrible.
0: An uh, anti-Obama person?
1: Uh, yeah, and rants, like, for 40 minutes. And I'm like... She, they,
0: they must hate, hate life, because uh, he won, so whatever. <laughs> I just I just
1: smile and nod and just go, uh-huh, uh-huh,
2: uh-huh.
1: Oh, you can... I'm going to stop uh, recording right
0: about... No. Alright, so you want me to turn mine off? Yep. Uh, you got Google Docs? I do.
3: My name is Lieutenant Aldo Brain. These are the bastards. Ever heard of us? We'd like to say we're a big fan of your work, killing Nazis. But your status says a Nazi killer. They're still amateur. We all come here to see if you want to go pro. They're an American Secret Service outfit that lives deep behind enemy lines. The Germans call them the bastards. The bastards. Yes. Because these Yanks have been them, the devil. That's about it. You heard about us, you probably heard we ain't in the prisoner taking business. We in the killing Nazi business. Cousin, business is a boom, it <laughs> sure is. Three days from now, Joseph Goebbels is throwing a gala premiere of one of his new movies in Paris. In attendance will be most of the German high command. Basically, we have all our rotten eggs in one basket. The objective? Blow up the basket. <laughs> nine, 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 nine. Oh, yes, 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 yes! There's something you don't know. Which is? Hitler is attending the premier. How do you intend to get a in that premier? premier? Your rendezvous with our double agent. She'll take it from there.
1: Lieutenant Rain, I presume? That is das Geräusch
2: meiner Walter, die direkt auf ihre Hoden gerichtet, gerichtet ist. Dann sind wir zu zweit. And we threat.
3: Why ain't that not? So, you're the Jew Hunter. That's a bingo. Is that the way you say that's a bingo? You just say bingo. I'm a slave to appearances. Scalp Herman. Why are you mad? What have you done? I made a deal with you, gentlemen, for that
2: man's life!
3: Yeah, they made that deal, but they don't give a fuck about him. They need you. You'll be shot for this? Nah, I don't think so. More like chewed out. I've been chewed out before. You know...